Hello, and thank you for joining me. You are under the influence of Top Shelf Tales, where we drink and talk about all things library related. I'm your host, Erin, and today I'm chatting with Dr. Abigail Phillips, an assistant professor at the School of Information Studies at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Prior to entering a PhD program at Florida State University, she worked as a public librarian in Southwest Georgia. Today, we're going to talk about mental health and library workers, sharing our personal experiences as well as our overall concerns about how those in management address or don't address these issues. This may be relatable to many of you, and I hope it spurs a deeper conversation perhaps in your own library system or among your library colleagues about this very important topic. All right, so Abby, what are you drinking? I am drinking uh, Hoptimum from Sierra Nevada, mm. Triple IPA. Excellent choice, excellent beer. I am drinking a Fuzzy Navel. I am on my second at the <laughs> moment. Um, so after we had a few technical difficulties, I think we are we are ready to talk about the topics of well, really, it's it's really one broad topic: mental health right. and and library workers and. You know, this is not something that is specific to the pandemic and what's going on with with the anxiety about libraries reopening, but right. it, not. the conversation certainly seems to have increased exponentially as a result of these larger library conversations. So you worked in public libraries for 10 years and mm -hmm. now you are in academia. Yeah. What have you noticed? What observations have you made? Um, what what concerns do you have uh, regarding the mental health of library workers? The f first concern is that it's just brushed off as um, stress or burnout. When that burnout is so much, so much. Up usually deep topic and you have admin that doesn't really understand what it means to be depressed um, there's just a huge misunderstanding about what it means to be struggling with a mental health concern whether it's like a, a concern that maybe lasts a couple months or maybe lasts a lifetime because it there's a broad spectrum um, and I, with libraries, you're constantly talking to people, working with people, helping people. It's why so many people go into the profession, or at least when I went to the profession, because I enjoyed helping people. Right. But that, that comes at a cost, um, especially if you already have a pre-existing mental illness. With me, it was de depression, anxiety, and just that constant interaction, it, it, became um, overwhelming. So I, I just don't think uh, um, that is recognized enough and we're given the proper training or the proper mental health um, assistance yeah. or the even the not acknowledgement that, yeah, this, you have just had a rough interaction with a patron. You can just go in the back and or just go sit for a while and think things just because just, that's that would have been helpful to me as a young librarian. Like somebody just yelled at you and you're crying. I think you should go right back. Right. Absolutely. And <laughs> uh, not have to, that I, it just wasn't a thought in when I was working in libraries and I'm sure it isn't. I, I, I know enough through Twitter and through friends, they tell me stories and I see stories. Um, so with mental health, it, it didn't really dawn on me until I was a doctoral student and I was researching more into empathy and how much empathy librarians provide. Yeah. I, both, I was looking at public and school librarians, and that's a heavy toll, emotional toll on you, uh, both good, good and bad emotional labor. Right. So it, it goes also a little bit into emotional labor. So it's just all connected, right? Sure. Mental health, emotional well-being. 
I just, I, I will forget that if a patron's really angry, usually it's not because of you. It's because of something they're going through, something. I, I like that you touched on the, the notion of, you know, having, when you come into something with a pre-existing condition. And, yes. you know, I came into it really not thinking that it would impact that part of me. Um, I, I guess I didn't think it wouldn't, but I didn't really, I didn't really think about it too much. I didn't, I didn't either. I knew I had, I knew what I suffered from, but I, yeah, I didn't think anything about the job impacting that. It's so strange to think about it now. Like, of course, <laughs> why wouldn't it? Right. And I would tell anybody coming in, like, just, you know, yeah. at the time. And, and certainly no one told me that. Not that they should have, but you know, nobody told me that. I really didn't. I just came in and I'm a children's librarian and I'm going to do story times and I'm going to do all this stuff. And, and um, you know, and where, where I am, we, even though I'm a children's librarian, I do reference for everyone. I'm everywhere, right. you know, and so, which is one of the aspects of my job that I really love because I like to work with all different ages, different populations. That's just something I enjoy. And, and it always challenges me and it's never boring because I'm always learning. But I found there were times that I felt ill-equipped to be able to help a patron. And I had to learn how to tell myself if I can just give them the, the, the pieces they need to get to the next step, sometimes that's, that's the best I can do. If I leave them in a, in a different place where maybe now they have a resource that they didn't have before they talked to me, mm -hmm. that might be the best I can do for them. I'm not, a, I'm not in a position where I can take the next step with them necessarily. I, I'm a short-term short help not a long-term help. Right. I mean, and that's, that seems to be often, I mean, that really is our role where we find the resources for people and direct them where they need to go to get more help. Um, Cause we can't be, it can't be everything for everybody. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they, maybe they need to um, some kind of social services or, maybe they're in some sort of crisis where we can give them a resource or um, a number to call or something, but that's, I, that's still super valuable. Absolutely. That they would, that, that they would come to you and even say that reach out, that they would need that. And I'm grateful that I, in those moments, I'm grateful that I am able to give them that and, and help them with the next step. I think for a long time, I felt frustrated by that because I really wanted to be able right. to do more. I felt like they were coming to me and opening up to me and kind of felt like I, you know, I had some sort of an obligation uh, to, and, and it was internally directed. Um, it wasn't, my bosses weren't telling me, you know, you're supposed to solve mm -hmm. all their problems. Um, you know, and I think that that's part of what drew me to this field. It, yeah, it really is. That that making those connections and really feeling like I could serve people and help them. Um, but it took me a while to remember not to lose myself in that. And I know that that's never been a conversation that I've had with anyone that I, in my system. And I wonder how many other staff would benefit from having conversations about how to manage their own expectations with patrons or how to um, help set boundaries around themselves so that they didn't take on so much. And I think that would be very valuable coming from someone who has had a lot of experience and has learned over time. I don't know how much those conversations are happening now. And I don't even know if that's something that would be considered. Honestly, I, I don't, I don't think a lot of those conversations are happening. I, um, because part of it is you just, I mean, people have to open up and say they're dealing with this and that's, that's scary to, um, to do. And, um, 
and my mind's blanking. But I, I just sometimes it seems to be very work forward, and we often don't think about. Well, I was never in a management position. I don't know why I'm saying we, like I'm an administrator. But I, just what I've noticed in my research is that librarians themselves and library workers often don't recognize that the, how much they're taking on and that they are kind of becoming their job and they're losing the, the part of themselves that, the part that, that is themselves that they need to keep and maintain and nurture um, because your job can't become all-consuming or uh, that does that leads to some like in my case burnout right that's exactly the word I was thinking <laughs> you know, and you start to yeah. question whether you I, I there have been times where I've questioned you know is this really for me now I know it is right so I did that <laughs> I, I, I yeah. stay with it I try to find the things about my job that you know bring me some joy at, but having said that if I felt that I was being mistreated, I, I certainly wouldn't stay out of a sense of obligation or um, a sense mm -hmm. of, but the work here I do is so valuable and it is valuable. I, I joke with my coworkers that it took me a long time to realize that I am 100% replaceable. And when people used to tell me that, I used to get so offended, like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm replaceable. But now I love that because I say to them, you could take me out of here tomorrow and you could put somebody else in my position and they would do fine. They would do just fine. That takes the onus off of me to ever feel like I'm obligated to anybody. I'm only oh, obligated to the point where I choose to stay. And then if I choose to go, I'm no longer obligated to them. Um, yeah. And, and that has helped me a great deal. Just knowing that has helped me a great deal. I think for a long time, I was always trying to prove my value. And it, it's just part of it is ingrained in me. I think this field in particular, it, so many of us and so many libraries, we're in this position where we feel like we have to constantly demonstrate our value. And, yeah. and that's true in terms of funding. Um, Very much so. I think that idea puts a lot of pressure on staff to always be performing. Mm -hmm. And that concerns me because I think that one of the things that comes out of that is a sense of people uh, not wanting to take risks or not wanting to be vulnerable and talk about the things that they're struggling with. Um, and eventually, as you were saying earlier, you know, it can lead to burnout, it can lead to you feeling mm -hmm. like you're you don't want to do your job anymore. You don't want to be a librarian. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to be a library worker, whatever capacity you're in, you just get to the point where, you know, you're, 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 you're fed up and maybe you're disillusioned. And to me, I don't think it has to necessarily get to that point. I don't think it, I, I don't think it does either. I think a lot of, we just conversations because somebody had opened up or talked to me about this when I was, back in libraries I would have been so incredibly meaningful because you feel so alone and you're if you're struggling either with a mental illness or you're just really overwhelmed at work and just somebody telling you that I mean I've I've been exactly where you're at and just having that what we talked we mentioned before the recording like a mentorship just somebody somebody can reach out to and say have you experienced this because I'm going through it right now and it's not fun right. so um, I think that would be uh, incredibly helpful for our profession I know there's mentorship programs through ALA and I know ALA is right now people are have not been happy with it for a while um, but finding some sort of program or at least or if informal is what I usually 
defer to um, informal mentorship. Um, to ha- just having somebody to talk to. You don't even have to think of it as a mentor. Right. Uh, I, I think it is helpful, though, if you have somebody who wants to help you I don't want to say the word grow but that sort of is wants to be in your corner you know yeah um you know because I've got people I can vent to but my mentor I can get and and venting is great and sometimes that's what you need but my mentor is a little bit different because she'll give me a different perspective or she'll ask me, you know, how can I help or what do you think would help? And, and so she's very much almost more of a coach. And sometimes Mm -hmm. that is very, very helpful, especially when she's able to provide me a different perspective based on her years and her experience. I find that incredibly valuable and I'm not necessarily going to get that through venting. It's just a whole different conversation in some ways. And I am with you. I don't think it has to be formal, but I think it has to be understood that that's the Mm -hmm. kind of relationship that you're going to have with that person. And and maybe it's a mutual mentorship where you're able to do that for each other. Um, And I try to do those sorts of things at at the branch level with my coworkers, Not, not intentionally, but just because... I see things in them that maybe they don't see and I want to push them, <laughs> you know, nudge yeah. them, say, Hey, I really think you should, uh, I have a coworker right now that you know, for quite a, quite a few months I have been urging um, them to apply to silly to the sunshine state library leadership Institute. I just know that they would get so much value from that. And uh, so I'm, I try to nudge people in a very supportive way to, do things. <laughs> I'm impressed that you remembered what all the letters stand for, <laughs> <laughs> and because uh, I went through it too. Uh, but um, yeah, it's it's also when somebody reaches out and says, "I think you should would be great for this. You you would do really well," or I see potential in you. That's an amazing, not not just a compliment, but it just helps you in the, as a librarian or a library worker feel like I'm doing, I'm making an impact in my job. I'm doing something good because you're, maybe you don't notice that. Maybe you just go day in, day out, and right. just, it becomes kind of a routine instead of saying, oh, wow, somebody's paying attention and notices something. Um, we don't get enough of that, I think. And one of the reasons that I want to do that is exactly what you're talking about, that I don't see that happening around me. Right. Um, Getting feedback from supervisors is not something that happens willingly on a regular basis. And, And it doesn't mean that they're not appreciative. It just means I'm somebody who always wants to understand what the expectations are, not have someone hold my hand, but... I want Mm -hmm. to make sure that I'm doing the job the way that it's expected for me to do it. And so I ask a lot of questions and I always try to get a lot of clarification about things. And, but I don't see a lot of staff getting feedback on a, on a semi-regular basis. So for example, I got my six month review in I don't even know. I started in October. I got my six month review. Uh, that was October of 2018. I can't, I'm drinking. I can't even do the math in my head, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I have not had a review since then. I have received no feedback. I have had to ask for feedback. Um, and I don't think it's because people don't want to give feedback. I don't think that at all. I think it's just that we all get busy. They're, they're library workers too. And True. they get busy and they have priorities. So I, I don't I don't mean to vilify anybody. I think that they would, if I, when I say something to them, they're very kind and they are able to give me some feedback. It's not always very specific. It's generally very general. 
but I think they want to do that for staff. I think they're just, they're taxed too. They are, they're busy. They have priorities that I don't understand. Um, I think it's just, but it's still frustrating. It's still frustrating as an employee to be going, well, how am I doing? You know, um, and if I can't get that information, I certainly don't necessarily want to go to those people and, and tell them that I'm struggling with something. You know? yeah. That's a scarier conversation to have with people. And, you know, I'm a person, I'm pretty vulnerable. I really don't have that much of an issue <laughs> telling people how it is with me, but it's different at work and it's different with the people who make the decisions. It's different with the people who may eventually be talking to you about a different job, you know, a promotion at some point. It's definitely the risks, the stakes are higher. Definitely. I'm thinking about thinking back to feedback. I, I kind of get a similar amount of feedback. I would get very vague or you're doing a good job and that was kind of it. I, and I was really ambitious and in my mind, I wanted to become a library director and it turns out, no, I do not want to yeah. become a library director. But uh, at some point I did, I just I was severely depressed and I did reach out and it, to my director and it failed horribly. Oh, no. This does not encourage anybody um, from from reaching out, but they this person just did not understand what depression is, what wow. what it's like. Um, what do you do? Uh, I well, I had been crying in front of the holds, uh, all the all of our holds. I was like organizing them, so maybe nobody can see me crying. And um, I just tried to, unfortunately, suck it up and get back to work. And that's when I really uh, started to question where I was working. I, there are there are places that are, I know librarians have. And library staff had had greater or greater, better experiences than I had. But um, now I'm just extremely transparent. I'm, if you ask me in an email, I hope all is well. I'll say I'll respond exactly what I how <laughs> it it's going. Good for you because you you asked. That's right. So, uh, here it is, <laughs> and. But that t- that took took me years and years and years of getting gaining confidence and um, in my current job as as far as uh, now I'm thinking back to feedback uh, maybe academic librarians can relate um, we get a lot lot of feedback and it's all not it's uh, peer reviews and um just a lot of it's negative feedback it's very rare that you get and even i I remember in public libraries it was kind of the same you don't maybe this is just life i you don't usually get like wow you did a really great job on that or even you did a good job on that Uh, even just an adequate job on that would be enough for me Uh, it's it's just a different it's now it's become it's like flip that I do get a lot of feedback, but some of the feedback is really fantastic, like constructive criticism that I can actually build myself up. Mm-hmm. But some of it is just not, it's just basically they saying the same thing as some bland comment okay. about, well, you're doing this without, anything helpful that this is how you can improve or this is this course you could take or right. there's some people you can reach out to or there should be a, like a a second a secondary like you're struggling with this but there's this not just you're struggling yeah. or you're you're not doing as well as we had hoped or something like that well, that that's that's what a leader would do. A leader would say, "Yeah, here's exactly. here's what I see. Here's where you're really here's your strengths. Here's where I see you struggling. Here's 
here's how I feel like maybe we could help or how could we help as opposed to, well, you know, you're not doing this great. You're doing this okay. All right. You know, good talk. Uh, you know. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> you, uh, yeah, good leader should, should provide that. Have something, like a something to support you because ideally you want a, somebody who is supporting you in your, your career, in your job. And I would think as a leader, you would want to. Oh, definitely. You would want to support and, and help because, because if you have good people, you want to keep them <laughs> if you, you can, you know, unless they got some amazing job that you could never offer them and then you should be happy for them. But otherwise I would think you would want to hold on to them and nurture those strengths, especially when you have employees that come to you and say, Hey, is there anything else you think I should be taking on? Is there, you know, um, and, and I say that and I, I know they're appreciative. I know, I know they're appreciative and I don't say that for them to say, Oh, you're just doing, you're doing so much. I'm saying that right. to say, I want to move up. Like I, I have goals and I want to be doing those. And they know what my, they know what my immediate goal is. I want to be doing the things that I need to be doing. You know, mm-hmm. and I don't get anything specific and maybe there isn't anything specific, but it's very frustrating and I'm starting to feel like my path is not going to be here. And, and that just may be the reality. Right. Um, it's a small system anyway. So, you know, that, that mm-hmm. doesn't help, but I, it is frustrating to, to feel like I just want some constructive feedback. You know, tell me what you, tell me what you don't like. Tell me what you don't like that I'm doing. I mean, give me something. <laughs> just give me something I can work with here. Because like you just said, I, it, sometimes that feedback is so vague that it's not helpful. It's not. And you can't do anything with it. And just like, oh, okay. Uh, I just, and now I'm thinking back to uh, I the postdoctoral fellowship and I did get a good bit of constructive criticism, but um, I don't know why I'm laughing at constructive criticism, some criticism, but it was, it really was helpful. Like my writing improved. Uh, I feel like I learned, learned more about being a, a researcher, learned more, more about the LIS profession. Um, so just having somebody say uh, very bluntly that it, this just wasn't what I was expecting, but still, while still acknowledging that I'm trying and I'm working towards it, and then along the way giving small, tiny like, this is better, or you did okay. To be honest, so it's, to me it's hilarious that um, one of my former supervisors, I, I can think of like a couple of compliments and one was that this this writing is pretty okay <laughs> and I was like oh my god thank you because before it just not been that way so to me that was in that context it was high approval right right so like okay. it, it sounds really pretty terrible okay is good. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I just I just learned to just just to keep at it and I don't know. I say it just puts a lot of the work on staff. And I, I think that's where I, it does. I, I, you know, there's one, it's, it's great to be self-motivated and it's great to want to set your goals and figure out and, and find out what you need to take on, whether it's professional development, whether it is additional responsibilities at work. Um, that's wonderful, but the onus shouldn't all fall on a staff. No, it shouldn't. And and setting up informal mentoring is not difficult. And I would imagine, and, and not everybody's going to want to be a mentor and not everybody is going to see the value in being mentored. But for those right. who do, I think it's a great experience for both parties. And you can be mentored by another staff member when you can be a mentor to another staff member. It's not a power position. It's, it's, mm. it's assistance. It's help. It's, 
here's my experience. Maybe my experience will benefit you. Or here's what I see that maybe you're not seeing because I'm an out, I'm, I'm outside of you. Um, to me, that's true. It's yeah. hugely you helpful. Need somebody on the outside. And, and it's hugely helpful because sometimes you don't see your strengths or you, you don't see yourself the way that somebody else sees you, or maybe you're not thinking about something and somebody comes across a somebody comes across some some information and brings it to you and says hey you know i think this might be something you might want to think about doing it's not you should do this it's hey i thought of you when i saw this i thought this would be something you'd be really good at that might just be the shot in the arm that you need to go for it mm-hmm. it's definitely <laughs> um and, and, and you don't have to be a a, a boss to do that no you could do that for each other and and support each other and help each other out um so there's a there there's an element of that that can happen without management being involved or supervisors being involved but um i i would really love to see this field take the mental health of their uh, library workers um I don't want to say more seriously, um, but maybe just spend a little more time on professional development, talking to directors and managers about this topic. Um, I think so often change happens and staff are just expected to go with it. You know, this idea of resilience, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and and resilience, as we had talked about uh, previously, used to be thought of as bouncing back and and different definitions use the word adapt adapting to changes right. and transitions in our lives and and as such it can be a very positive thing and we all learn it in one way shape or form sometimes the ways that we learn to be resilient are somewhat maladaptive and probably not really resilience um and it was great for me being part of this leadership, this library leadership institute. I had to create a resilience plan for myself. And I believe that everybody should do that. And it doesn't, it's not a static document, but it's helpful to look at the things that we can be doing for ourselves long term. And then when transitions happen and when changes happen, how we can help ourselves move through those transitions. There are transitions that we have to get through (laughs) and Mm -hmm. there are transitions that we choose and we grow from what concerns me about the idea of resilience is when it's used to maintain current power structures when people are told well you know this is just the way it is and you're just going to have to you're just going to have to get used to it you're just going to have to deal with it and when it's put out there as it's beneficial to everyone when it's not always beneficial to everyone. And so it's almost like, well, if we use the word resilience, it will come across as a positive. So we're just going to use that word. Um, and that concerns yeah. me. And and like using the word resilience to describe yourself and saying, I'm strong, I'm tough, I can get through this. Uh, when I... In my mind, resilience is you're you're able to deal with what you're going through, but it it takes time. That it involves a lot of um, being flexible and taking time to think and learning new things. And it's just not the quick resilience that I think admin want, administrators want. Right. That you can just jump to, like you said, some new change. It's 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 really hard, right. and uh, not particularly great for your brain. Um, and when uh, you're yeah. when you're tasked with getting through that on your own, yes, that and you and you feel like you can't succeed at that. That's very demoralizing. It is. Because one of the keys of resilience that they that a lot of people recommend if you're you know learning how to be more resilient is to lean on other people for support. And if 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 it involves a work change, there should be people there 
that you can lean on for support. And when those people aren't available, whether it's because they're just not receptive or whether it's they're struggling with their own process of trying to adapt to change. Um, I know. It can really leave you in the lurch where you're just trying to figure out how to cope with it and not really learning how to adapt to it. Um, and And those people, they may not be able to make, they can't make you resilient. But no, if they can be there and, and, and listen and support you, it's the difference between helping people through transition and just telling people that they have to just, they just have to bounce back and roll with it. Um, and there are times where you do have to roll with it. There are times where things happen and you just have to. But if that's your, if that's your operating model, that's problematic. You're really developing some sort of an ability to deal with it both mentally and um, physically instead of, um, as you said, like somebody uh, saying that, well, this is just the way things are now. You have to go with it. I mean, sometimes you do have to do that, but I think you can still do that and become a resilient, be, still be resilient. But I just, I, I always worry about the time frame. It just seems like resilient is, to me, is linked with quickly. And sometimes you just can't. Yeah. You need time to process, uh, to, especially major change, like everything we're going through right now. Right. We can still be resilient, but still take some time to learn new skills, um, change our mindsets, or um, trying to think of another something word. Um, just, just, just learn to change, and change is hard. Yeah, it's messy. And it's, <laughs> it's very messy, and it's con- a constant like back and forth of. Right. A step forward and a step back, like step back and step forward, something like that. I'm using like a million cliches and all of them are wrong. It's, and it's not convenient but, at all. It's not convenient. It's, and it I think not. that that's part of why there's so much struggle is because it's almost like, well, we need you to adapt to this quickly. Like we need you to adapt to this within a certain time frame. And like you just said, that's not how it happens. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, so I, I can't, certain things maybe you can do it but other things just can't (laughs) and it's frustrating to to for people to know that that's expected of when I think about people in our field that they're expected to do that and just jump up and get to it and no, this is a person that you need to think deeper about what they're going through on a, so many levels, but I know that's, that's complicated on a higher level, but ideally you would want your employees to, and the people who work with you to be happy and be stronger and be more capable and just grow. And, and you can do that, to, the way I see it, you can, you, you can do that by being there, being truly there and yes. being open. You may not be able to solve that employee's problem. It may be out of your of hands. And not. it probably is out of your hands. But you can listen and you can care. And you can really hear what they're saying. And you can relate to them. You know, to me, there's nothing wrong with a leader saying, hey, listen, you know what? I'm struggling with all this too. I really am. There's a lot of yes, strength in I, that. There's a lot of strength in being able to say, yeah, you know what? We're all scared right now. We're all nervous. That's not always happening. And for those of us who are lower, I guess, lower on the on the rungs of the system, that's very, uh, you really feel lost because it, it, it's possible that I suspect that everybody is struggling with this new normal, but mm-hmm. we're also not really given anywhere to talk about it. It's just sort of like, um, I was just thinking. yeah, it's almost like, uh, what do they say? Uh, keep, what, keep calm and carry on. It's, it's kind of that idea. It's that you just listen, you just, you just have to go with it. You just have to, you know, you just have to roll with it. And, 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 and that 
that that's good if it's a a short term thing. But this this, right. this COVID nineteen has not been a short term thing, and no, so you need to be able to to do a little more for your people besides just say, hey, you know, we're just just gonna have to. This has changed, and then tomorrow this other thing changes, and you're just all gonna have to be flexible. Flexible's great. Flexible's important, but flexible can only take you so far. And fl- yeah, it, you can only be flex- so flexible. You reach a max of flexibility. If, and um, just thinking about libraries and where I'm at, like you're just getting information super fast and having to adapt to it. And it, that's incredibly hard. And I, it, it's hard to see conversations um, on social, on Twitter mostly and Instagram or uh, just when I'm, I'm talking to people still out in the field. Um, it's, it's, it's really, I just, it's, it's weird to see people, not weird, but it's just painful to see people struggling with um, being afraid to go to work. Yeah. I'm afraid to gain, engage with people when otherwise this is just what we, I mean, this is our, what we do. We, we talk to people and right. try to provide all these wonderful resources. While at the same time, I was doing reading about this that, because I was talking to a friend who isn't a librarian and she was talking about these services that her library was providing. And I was like, Sometimes the pub, I mean, the public knows nothing about what we do, what we provide. Right. So they don't really understand when we're in COVID. They're like, and library staff, library librarians, they're like, they're, oh, they're just at home. Right. You know? Or, or, or yeah. oh, it's really nice that you can come back to work. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I, they don't I, know. I yeah. They don't know. Hearing that. I was right. like, no, they're working. <laughs> From home. Right. And when you, oh. when I've told them that we were working, they get it. Like, oh, they just, how would they know? How would they, they yeah. would have no I way know. of knowing. It's very true. Right. It's, it, it's just one of the first things I realized when I went outside of the library land and got into a doctoral program. I was like, wow, the general public really knows <laughs> very little about, very, very little I, I really haven't, I mean, once, once I've told people, oh yeah, we were working the whole time. They're like, oh wow. Like, oh, that's great. You know? So they, yeah. they get it. They get it. Um, and, 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 and I don't expect them to know that. It, I understand that they don't. Um, so that, that I, I, I certainly get, and everybody's been doing different things. And, and so that answer is always going to be different. What they were doing, they were working from home. We were boosting this. We were working on this, um, you know, it's all going to be virtual for a time. Or, right. But, right. Oh, whatever. Um, and, and I think and some it, of the patrons yeah. were just glad we didn't lose our jobs. And we had a, I had a couple of people who said, you know, boy, it's really, I'm really oh, glad that you're still great. have a job, you know? So I was like, that's fantastic. Um, but I think the other, the other issue that comes up with uh, COVID besides our physical health in terms of being exposed mm-hmm. is having to potentially deal with, patrons who don't want to wear masks if masks masks are required it's those conflict um the 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 ideas of having those conflicts with with patrons and especially in the idea of wearing masks has become somewhat politicized yes it has very much so (laughs) my library system doesn't require masks we encourage masks we appreciate masks and i'd say the majority of Patrons are wearing masks, which is great. Um, but I, I, I feel for the folks that have where limited capacity is a bigger issue. We, we just we just barely hit min, um, minimum capacity, limited capacity today. For the first time, we've been open for huh. over two weeks. There are library systems that are going to open up, and they're going to hit they're going to hit that limited capacity right away. So I feel for those uh, library folks that have to anticipate what do I do if our library requires a mask and someone doesn't wear a mask right how how do we handle that how does that get dealt with you know um that's scary too that's a whole different type of of conflict um 
I was thinking about that just because I I'm trying to take a little break from Twitter, but I, I was <laughs> good for you. Somebody <laughs> asked a question like, I, like, yeah, just good mental health strategy, taking a day or two off. Um, there was somebody that posed a question: Do you require masks to be? I say masks weird. I always think I do. That's just a side note. Sorry. So hopefully it sounds normal. Do you require your patrons to wear a mask? And I honestly, thinking about being a librarian, thinking about when I was a librarian, and I'm just a naturally quiet and shy person. I'm less, less, I'm a little more assertive now. But that that confrontation between a patron, like, who hasn't, isn't wearing a mask and it is a to them is a political issue because I know people I have a friend who astonishingly I did not know it was a political issue for her or or not a political she just wasn't going to wear a mask right like there's all there's all this science behind it and no but um it it has become a, a divisive issue yes and it's scary to think of like confronting right. community members who are coming to your library who you know really well right. or who are new to your community and saying like, well, you don't have a mask. Right. Right. How- and I'm just still unsure how, what, Milwaukee is still just curbside to libraries. So we're still closed. Um, so I'd be curious to know how that, that all works out. Yeah, because we, we've we've been open and we haven't had that issue, but we also haven't had that issue because we're not requiring masks, right? And I mean that definitely helps because people come up and there's a big sign out front, signs everywhere, of okay, sort of the the protocols, and 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 i've nobody has they've asked me is a mask do i need to have a mask and i always say masks are appreciated but they are not required and most people wear masks most people oh i i'm going to wear a mask anyway okay. like okay that's wonderful you know but i'm not going to have to get into a confrontation with somebody about that issue i may have to over social distancing but i'm not going to have to yeah. an issue of that and i think okay so you do the social distance like six feet. Right. We have signs everywhere and, and that okay. kind of thing. But I think it's, you know, I it just takes one person to have an issue. And, and, and this isn't new to library staff. We've dealt with things like this. Oh, no. You know, policies. Yeah. But, it, you know, now it's a, it's a, there's a, there's a infection element to it too, on top of everything else. Right. So we're already in a heightened sense of anxiety, heightened state of anxiety. And then you have to deal with that or potentially deal with that. Um, and I feel for the folks that have to deal with that um, because you're, you're, you, if you're already stressed out, there's probably everyone you work with is stressed out. No one is talking about how stressed out or anxious they are. And then you no, have to deal with that. What do you do? You know, I've always said I would walk away because I just, that's, that's not something I'm going to get involved in. I'm not trained. I will tell you what the policy is. I'm not trained to get into that type of conflict with you. Um, you know, but but it's, you know, it's something, it's out there. It's something that people, it's another stressor that library staff have to, has to deal with or has to anticipate dealing with. Um, and so, you know, it, it's just a, it's a, it's a tough time um, specifically it's 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 a general issue that library staff has to deal with anyway is sort of those confrontations and those conflicts and you know and there's a whole other conversation going on about whether it makes sense to have police there or guards whether it doesn't uh yeah that's what uh, <laughs> that's for another that's day that's another thing I've been, I've been thinking about a lot <laughs> right right um and you know that's a topic for another day but i think it's important that at least we're we're talking about that and then and, and it's not necessarily an easy issue to talk about because no you have your own fears about your own safety but having that presence is not 
a positive one in so many ways. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I think that that's going to be another um, conversation, larger conversation, Mm -hmm. hopefully that uh, library systems will begin to have about, um, about having officers or guards in the library. I've seen uh, not just libraries, but school systems distancing distancing themselves from Mm. officers uh, or police stations because um, this is what is going on right now. Right. Um, I mean, in in our schools, our schools, there's an officer assigned to every one of our schools. Um, And it's been that way. And uh, it's just sort of that's what's considered normal. Um, you know, so I, it's definitely not a library issue. Um, I'd no, say it's going to be not. a huge, a, a larger conversation that I hope will take place. Um, because it's long overdue, <laughs> uh, definitely. For, for that to take place. So there's yeah, a lot, just, there's, there's a lot of work to do, but I think that. There's so much, but we're doing, I, I know, I know people I hear, I hear so many conversations and I see so much happening in our field that is really promising and really encouraging. And I get to teach students that are going out there with thinking about critical librarianship and all that. So I have hope for the future. I do too. Well, I want to thank you so much for talking to me. uh, Oh, thank you so much for talking with me. This was fun. I'd like to thank Abby for joining me today. If you'd like to learn more about her, please follow her on Twitter and visit her website. I'll include all of this information in the podcast description. Until next time, goodbye and good libations.